0: Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz and welcome back to the second week of Easter. This is for the week of April 8th, 2018 and you made it. You made it through Holy Week. What a great way to celebrate and we get to enjoy the freedom that was given to us last week through our Lord and Savior being crucified. As I said, my name is Tyler Bublitz. I Take this podcast to every week for leaders in the church. Go through what I have as the ELCA readings of the week, and we kind of look at them from a faith and science perspective. And I use Working Preacher, my shameless plug for Working Preacher, based on the fact that I'm not an ordained minister. I'm just a regular guy with a biology degree and looking at these texts. And I am really excited to get into this week. But first, before we get into it, I, like I've stated in the last couple, I am still working on trying to figure out how to make this a more public podcast. There's a couple things that I'm working on, a couple people I'm talking to, hitting a couple snags right now. But I'm really excited and I'm really optimistic on being able to push through these. Second of all, I'm going to link... Something I ran into that was on PBS this last week, uh, talking about Jesus going to Calvary. It's really, really good. I'm really looking at some of the disruption and different things he was going through. Maybe something to stash away for next year for Easter. One of the things that I found really interesting in it is it starts talking about Judas and was Judas really betraying Jesus Or was Judas actually trying to help Jesus? A really interesting little discussion there. I highly recommend if you have the time. It's very, very well done uh, to look into that. But as we get into this week, I'm super excited because I think this is actually a text this week that we can really dig into from... uh, I think it speaks really well to where we're at right now in society. I think there's a lot of things that really correlate well with this and so the gospel text this week is out of John chapter 20 verses 19 through 31 and this is what we typically get known as doubting Thomas or questioning Thomas so we have where Jesus appears to all the other disciples showing him that peace be with you he then leaves Thomas comes in and Thomas is like, I'm not gonna believe until I can put my fingers in his in the holes in his hand and my hand in his side. That Jesus appears and he just you know kind of melts down in front of him in a way. And you know, then we get this beautiful text from Have you not have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. And it's verse twenty-nine, Jesus speaking to Thomas. And we're going to dig into this kind of section more because I think that line has a lot of, it really rings true to now more than ever, I feel. and But we'll get into it. The first reading, just like last week, is out of the New Testament this week. It's out of Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 35. And this is a nice little text to, I think, illustrate one point in particular and that is the disciples did not just keep this to themselves with great power the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the lord jesus and the great grace was upon them all verse 33 essentially we cannot keep this message to ourselves easter is not one day. Easter is every day. There is one Christmas carol, I know it's a little bit of a sidetrack, that my family always does at the beginning and the end of our Christmas caroling, which we do dancing around the Christmas tree. It's a Danish tradition, very similar to if you've seen how the Grinch stole Christmas and the Who's and Whoville are kind of dancing around the tree singing. That's what we do, and we'll do it with Christmas carols. But we always do this, and it's probably the Americanized version of Danish, New Hollow you again. Uh, and it, it's essentially, Christmas is here again, Christmas is here again, we shall celebrate till Easter. And it's this idea that we have to keep celebrating it. We have to keep enjoying and sharing this news. That This is the first step, kind of, of the Great Commission this resurrection and that it stirs within us and as we'll as Jesus even states in the gospel text, which I didn't really talk about, he talks about how the Holy Spirit has already been given to them. So then we have to be sharing this. And we definitely, as we get further into Acts too, that the Holy Spirit is given to them. We need, because we have this Holy Spirit, we now need to do what it is calling us to do. And in your specific way, how is God telling you to share that? message. We have a very little short psalm. It's Psalm 133 and it talks about how we have to live united and how we can work together to do this. Simple little text, cool little little read. And the second reading or typically the New Testament text is from 1 John chapter 1 verses 1 through chapter 2 verse 2. And for me, it's, again, it's talking about how this has been a transforming type thing with Christ being in our lives. But for me, being in the church, there is two verses that speak really true because I've heard them over and over and over again. And I honestly feel it's one of the things the church needs to do a better job of is really showing where we have some of these things that we repeat every week and we just aren't accustomed to, we don't know where it is in text. It starts in verse eight. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he or God Who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This idea of, again, because of what Christ did, this is how we are able to move forward. And it's one of the things that I think we, again, as Christians, as we go into this, we have to remember that aspect. Christ is providing the power. Christ is the gas to your motor. And that, that that means that we, how you proceed forward should be likewise. Now, I was talking about how the gospel text, I felt, really speaks extremely well in the modern society. And the reason I say that is, how many times have you heard a phrase like, Did you see what happened to fill in the blank last night? Have you seen this online? Have you seen that online? And it's this idea of we only believe it when we see it. I definitely feel like I have definitely been caught up in this at times. And there's a lot of times where we get consumed with this. And I've seen it in science myself. And there's actually some pretty hilarious stories of this the one of them being hummingbird migration believe it or not the first people who were studying hummingbird migration and again i'll see if i can find a link to this below but they were studying it and looking at their heart rate looking at you know how much fat reserves how many calories would take and then they were looking at their migration and after spending lots of money they realized that the numbers didn't add up the numbers didn't add up and it didn't make sense. And so what they literally wrote a paper on <laughs> and stated that hummingbirds would get up and then hitch rides off of Canadian geese to help them get to their wintering grounds. As we know, or as you can probably guess, that isn't the case. The cool thing with hummingbirds is And the amazing thing about hummingbirds, these small little birds that not only are the only bird that can fly backwards, is the aspect that they start breaking down their own muscle to be able to get to where they need to go. Essentially, that they burn through all their fat reserves. And when they're through their fat reserves, their body starts metabolizing itself, so that they can get to their destination. Banking on that there is going to be food there. So that they can replenish. Which is amazing. But it gets into the doubt that the scientists had. The doubt that that was actually a thing. You know scientists have made great predictions in the past. I mean there's one I'll attach below. Where Darwin predicted that there would be in Madagascar. This moth with this super long tongue. And actually, a couple years after he died, they found it. It's a 30-inch tongue, I think it is, to get into this one specific type of orchid that has a very long shoot to where the nectar is. And and there's reasons to understand and say, yet yeah, okay, we need to understand and, and try to grapple our head around this. But we have so much false information coming around in our world today, and if you think about it, Think about it. There's so many things out. What are your sources? Is it a recordable source? Are you, you know, making sure you're getting your stuff from recordable sources, recordable sites, different things of that nature. It it begs to differ. Are we actually believing based off of seeing? We take into consideration all these different colleges or different institutions that are supposed to carry weight with us, that they're recordable. And yet we've definitely seen within business, within any industry, occasionally mistakes happen. But there's still a point where this is coming from a no-name, so how can we believe this? I I distinctly remember, uh, it was probably a couple months ago, my dad had talked to me about David Thompson, a basketball player, and how he remembered that he had an incredible vertical and that he once injured himself by jumping and getting his foot stuck in someone's armpit. And I remember my dad telling me that story for years and after looking at, and we actually spent a night looking and looking online and it wasn't exactly how he remembered it. But when we looked into it, David Johnson had this incredible vertical between 44 and 48 inches as he progressed through his career, which is incredible. And It was that he more jumped and then kind of got his, his knees were kind of just taken out from him and it it was just still how high he was compared to everybody else was incredible. And the reason I bring this up is, did it really matter? Did that little subtle difference that it really, it wasn't his foot getting stuck in someone's armpit, but more that he kind of, his knees kind of got taken out. Did that really make a difference No, it caused me to still look into David Thompson and realize how amazing of a basketball player he was. But I don't think that detail made makes or breaks. And that's one of the things we think about, like these infamous characters. Sports is really good at pumping these different things up. Like Babe Ruth in the 1926 World Series where he called the shot. No one has images, no one has film footage that's been discovered of him calling the shot and so there's always been this infamous did he actually do it or is it just folklore who cares we know that babe ruth hit the game-winning homer that day isn't that more what matters and yes it's the story it's all this we like having that story we like having that you you know he predicted it he predicted it and then it happened we liked having that story But is that really important? Is that really important? And I think these get to the point of where we are with faith. As we've kind of talked about before in this podcast, the faith has become before the science. Because the faith helps us take that leap. There has to be at some point in your life where you take that leap of faith. And that the science is purely there to support your theory or in this case support the belief that you have in Christ it can't overtake your faith because the moment that you overtake the faith you'll start finding more problems because as i say and i think it's actually a very good argument is the aspect of if you put science in front of your faith you're looking through you're looking at the picture backwards and some stuff will make sense but stuff doesn't make s- sense when you're looking at it backwards. When you flip it around and see it the correct, the way you should be seeing it, the way it was intended to be seen, faith looking on the science, then it lines up, then it makes sense. And I think we are in a culture that we won't believe until we see. And it better become from somebody that we trust, because otherwise then it still could be made up. People are meant to be a trusting people. We are meant to trust. If you think about it, it's one of the first things that we kind of even get in scripture is God tries giving us trust. Do not eat from this tree. You can eat from any other tree. I trust you. We were not always great with it, but we were designed to have this type of trust And in a world that's pushing more and more that if you don't See it with your own eyes or you can't believe. Or if it's not coming from some source that's reckonable, don't believe it. Watch what you believe online. Watch what you repost. Watch what you believe. That's what scripture is though. Scripture is the belief. Scripture is the one where we can put our trust. And I think it, it, it screams that if we really truly believe this, the second half of this then is, then why aren't we sharing this? And I think as a church, as a whole, I think every single person can still say that we can do a better job of sharing our faith in some form or some fashion, whatever your ability is. One of the things that I picked up at college and I still use as an image, and I don't know if it's the greatest, but the idea of what might be really effective for you isn't going to be always effective for me. Because if you look at first corinthians chapter 12 when he starts talking about the body and how the eye can't be envious of the foot and the hand can't be envious you know of each other we each have a different role and he designed us that way to work together on this he gave he's given us each a different role and that's where we're we should be taking this excitement this joy that we have out of easter out of the resurrection and sharing it in our way, in the way that God has called us to in the way that God has made it most effective for us, I'm sorry to break it to you, not every single one of us is a Billy Graham, but that's okay. If we all had Billy Grahams, there wouldn't be a use for Billy Graham you know it's easy to look at you know sports stars, not every single one of us is a LeBron James. Not every one of us is a Mickey Mantle. Not every one of us is a Bo Jackson. Not every one of us is a Mark Twain or a Barack Obama. The list goes on and on. But each of those people figured out what was the best their calling that God has given them that they can do best for them. So what's your calling? What is your movement forward? Are you being able to take this amazing truth that Christ has given you that you believe and being able to share it with the world? Are you able to see past this world of consistent doubt and believe? And that's, that's, I think, the key point that I see going on right now is are you able to believe? Are you able to stand there and trust your faith and know that it's true because you've taken that leap of faith. Well, there's been plenty of times in science and in life where we have made these great predictions. And some of them have come true. Like the, the certain hawk moth that I'll link below. It's really cool. It's really cool. And yet we still get all these other predictions throughout that we almost laugh at. And then we laugh at them later because they couldn't have been further from the truth. I think a lot of us would have struggled to imagine 20 years ago having a pocket computer that could do everything it could it could do and that making a wireless call would be an afterthought of it in a lot of ways. There's a lot of things that we just take for granted it, and I'm not calling out millennials because I'm technically part of that group but go and talk to a young millennial. And ask them about, like, how they see the world. And I believe in a lot of things, there's times where millennials, and I'm just calling us out, we, we take for granted some of the things that are in front of us now. But I would also say in the same breath, there's a lot of th- people that are older that if you'd gone and talked to their grandparents, they would have said the same thing. Because you can go as far back as Aristotle saying that people, these young kids nowadays are lazy compared to their parents. But that's kind of beside the point. The point is, we believe and we have not seen. The doubt is not there. We believe in a resurrection of something that happened 2,000 years ago, and we have not seen it. And in a world where we're so used to seeing to believe, it's different. And be okay with the difference. And that's part of where I feel that is part of my role here is to help give you some support for that faith, to be able to go forth and trust your faith, knowing that you are not making a blind leap. You are making an educated, dare I say hypothesis, but that through that hypothesis, we have seen multiple times that it is true. And that really isn't a hypothesis anymore. It's a fact that's Blindly seen by some. But I feel that I've kind of rambled on enough. I thank you for tuning in, and I would love to hear your feedback. Especially as we're going through Easter. Let's let's talk about this. Shoot me an email. Ask, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts, your concerns. What are different things that are going through your head as you listen to this? I'd love to have a dialogue with you. Because That's when this community, I think, will really grow and really become connected. And I'm going to work on trying to figure out some ways to connect us all together. But I'm really excited that you tuned in today. And thank you for that opportunity. But I'll close it as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.